I'm on? Okay. I'm also doing the reading this morning. The reading this morning comes from 1 John 3, 11 to 18. For this, mess- for this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. Anyone who hates a brother or a sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Lauren, for uh, scripture reading this morning and for all the children. It is a joy to uh, have the children here and all the parents and families here. This is one of the, uh, the great ministries that we have within our church. The ability to each week impact the lives of children uh, with the uh, blessings of people who love them and the good word of, of God together. And they learn a lot. <clears throat> I get to do a chapel time with them every Monday morning, and I always look forward to that and see them throughout the week. But it's such a blessing to see many of them here today and to be a part of their growing up, their learning about the love of God. So thank you for all the staff who make that possible. And again, we celebrate this ministry in our church, and we're glad you're here. As we've heard the word of God read, we now seek its meaning for our life today. And so I want to invite you to bow with me in a moment of prayer, because that is the work of God's Holy Spirit among us. Let's pray. And God, we come to this time and we read your word. And we know it has meaning for our life. You have something to say. You always do. So we ask you to come, Holy Spirit, open our hearts and our minds to hear your voice, and what you have to say. That your word might transform us into the people you call us to be. God, I humbly ask that you might use me in this moment to proclaim your word. And that what I have to say brings glory to you, God, and to you alone. Draw us now closer to you as we seek an understanding for our life today. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, our congregation is in the midst of a series of sermons that we started a couple weeks ago entitled Focus Living. It's kind of the new year, January, and so we thought about uh, how it would be neat uh, as everybody's making their new year resolutions, and I'm sure you've made yours about how you want to live your life differently this next year and how you want to do better in the future. And of course, some of those uh, resolutions have probably already been forgotten, <laughs> especially when it comes to those diets <clears throat> we uh, took on as resolutions. But um, this series is really aimed at trying to help us experience the power of intentional living by focusing our lives on those things that really matter the most. If, if you have a camera and you have one of these fixed focus lenses on your camera, that lens enables you to be able to identify and zero in when whatever you're trying to take a picture of automatically. It's kind of an amazing feature. Uh, this lens enables you to make sure that the object that you're trying to take a picture of is sharper and clearer than the other objects around it. It's just an amazing thing what cameras can do, but it's even more amazing when we seek to live our lives this way, focused on those things that are most important. 
So this is why we're encouraging you to try to live a, a focused life, focused on the things that Jesus teaches. In the first week, we talked about how we need to focus our lives on that one master lifestyle, how Jesus taught us to uh, the, the fact that you can't serve two masters at one time. You're going to have to serve one. So we need to focus on making sure that Jesus Christ is the leader, the master of our lives above everything else. Last week, we talked about how we need to focus our lives on being a purpose-focused life. That God didn't create us to wander aimlessly through this world. but Rather, God has given us a higher calling to live by. And if you're ready to reach for that higher calling that God has placed upon your life, then he is ready to help you to fulfill every good purpose in your life, every act prompted by your faith. This week, we're going to be looking at what should be the defining characteristic of the Christian life and how we are to live our lives. And you know what this is. <clears throat> the defining characteristic of the Christian faith is what? Love, right? Love. And that's what we're called to. Uh, you remember, some of us remember this song that we used to sing in the youth group around campfires, <laughs> bonfires and stuff, or youth group. They'll know you are Christians by your love. They'll know we're Christians by our love. Uh, that is a little outdated for some folks, but the idea behind it is, uh, is still relevant. It's still important. Uh, the quality that of love is what separates us from everybody else, from every other religion, from every other ideology. We are a people to be known, first and foremost, by love. Yet, I fear that in the current political climate and social culture we're living today, this is something we have forgotten. And perhaps that's why it's been so heavy on my mind, this, this message. Even among churches, among those who call themselves Christians, there is such division, such a, a lack of love and even incivility toward one another. Perhaps more than at any other time in our recent history, what the world, I believe, needs now is a people who are willing to demonstrate the power of God's love. When it comes to living a life of love, I think that um, we know that our first love should be God above all else. I mean, we remember how this teacher of the law came to Jesus on one occasion, and he said, he asked Jesus the question, he said, which of all the laws they have, 613 of them, which of those are the most important? You remember that Jesus said, well, this one is the most important. You are to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. In other words, you are to love God with everything you have above everything else. And I think we understand the significance of that commandment. Our problem comes with what Jesus says next. When he said, the second is like this, and it's equally important that you are to love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no commandment greater than these, Jesus says. That's why he would later on go to say, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And yet, I think we're a little confused about that, even as Christians. Because it seems to me today, when you watch the news and you hear all the other stuff, that we seem to be more concerned about being known by how we vote or which political party we're a part of or um, how we can set people straight on Facebook or other social media or by our bumper stickers. And there, there are many things that people do to signal their virtue to the rest of the world. But as Christians, it really boils down to this. 
Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. Again, we know this stuff. We know that as Christians that we are supposed to love God, and we know that we're supposed to love one another. The problem we have is we often fail to be able to grasp the sense that we're not talking here about two different kinds of love or two different levels of love. Yes, our love for God is supposed to be the most important thing in our lives, but the love that we demonstrate to one another is not to be a lesser kind of love. It's not to be a lower grade of love. It's meant to be the same, pure, holy, sacrificial love. Because that's what Jesus demonstrated for us. Jesus makes it clear that our expression of love for one another reflects the extent of our love for God. Did you hear that? Our expression of love for one another reflects the extent of our love for God. Repeatedly, Jesus says, you cannot say that you love God and hate your brother or sister. And for Jesus, that term brother or sister is a broad definition of the human race. But he even goes so far as saying you should love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And there is no way that we can do that apart from the love of God. This truth that I'm talking about, I think, is spelled out in our text for this morning. The writer of 1 John points out three things that this commandment to love your neighbor requires of us. And that's what I want to focus on. First of all, to love is Jesus ask us to, requires that you open your eyes. Now, what do I mean by that? Two things, really. First of all, it requires that we open our eyes to this non-negotiable nature of this love your neighbor commandment. In other words, we have to understand this command to love your neighbor is not just a suggestion. It's not just a guideline that Jesus gives us to go by. It's not some idea that Jesus came up with that he submitted for our approval. Instead, this is just what it says it is. It is a non-negotiable command. This is what I want you to do. I want you to love one another as I have shown you. In verse 11, John says, This is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And here he's referencing the words of Jesus that he included in his gospel, where Jesus says, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. So if your attitude is, yeah, yeah, okay, I get that. I know that I'm supposed to love one another in theory. (laughs) But in practice, in the real world, It's okay to despise that certain group of people or that type of person or that individual. It's it's okay because those people are despicable. They're they're, they're terrible people. Well, if if that's your attitude, I I think you're missing the point. (laughs) Because Jesus, according to him, is never okay to despise one collective group of people or one individual that we don't like. This um, one loving one another commandment doesn't refer to just loving people that we like. It's not talking about loving people that we tend to agree with, that have opinions like us. One another is everybody, period, according to Jesus. Now, now I know that sounds hard, and it probably seems unrealistic in the world that we live in today. But until we open our eyes to this 
understanding that the defining characteristic of the Christian life is Christ-like love. We will never be able to attain the calling and to fulfill it that God places upon our lives. And this goes for us as individuals, but it also goes for churches as well. It is a sad reality that um, the most segregated place in society on Sunday morning tends to be the Christian church. Most churches focus their ministries on themselves, or at least to people who are like them, when clearly it is God's call for us to be ministering to the needs of the entire community, especially those who are in the greatest of need. The command to love one another is non-negotiable. It is to love as Jesus calls us to is something we have to open our eyes to, that fact, that this is a non-negotiable commandment. The second thing is that we have to open our eyes to the needs of others around us. Living a life of love requires that we begin to look beyond ourselves to the needs of people around us in the world. Uh, People who are in need, people who are hurting Uh, People who usually don't, they don't feel comfortable broadcasting their need or their pain to the world around them. Uh, Most people don't share with others all that's going on in their life and uh, the the signs are there. But um, most people, you don't hear them saying, hey, my life's in shambles. My life's falling apart. Please help me. So the challenge for us is that we have to keep our eyes open. We have to be willing to, to look at the needs of others. In verse 17 John says, if anyone sees a brother or sister in need, the key word there is sees. It means that our eyes are opened, that we're paying attention to the needs of others around us. The truth is that when we become a Christian and we seek to follow a life after Jesus Christ, our aim then begins to be trying to see the world as God sees it. Our hearts begin to break for the things that are breaking the heart of God. But we're always looking, you know, love is always looking for the next opportunity to show love. And yet that only happens if our eyes are open to see. So loving one another requires that we keep our eyes open. The second thing I think it is talking about here is love one another requires that you take action. In verse 17, listen to what he says. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Then he goes on to say, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Sometimes I think that we begin to feel like if we just feel bad enough for the person who is hurting, then that's enough. I mean, oftentimes we'll say things to someone we encounter that's in a bad situation. We'll say, man, I I just hate to hear that you're going through all that. I'm so sorry. Uh, Just know that you're in my thoughts. Or for spiritual, we'll say, know that you're in my prayers. Or here in the South, we're more apt to say things like, who just God bless them. God bless their poor soul. <laughs> I mean, we, we all say that, right? That's what we do here in the South. But if you truly have them in your prayers and you're truly interceding on their behalf, then that's a good thing. That's the right thing to do. But if we're honest with ourselves, many times when we say to people, uh, I'm, I'm keeping you in my prayers, the truth is they're barely in our thoughts. I mean, just as soon as we leave or hang up the phone, we forget about what's going on. Listen, when people we know who are going through a difficult time, 
it is, of course, you want to pray for them, that God meets their needs. But then you want to do whatever you can to be the answer to that prayer. If you know of someone who is, has lost their job, we have a lot of that going on in our society, our culture right now, and here in Zachary, in our surrounding area. It, it, of course, you want to pray for them, that God would meet their needs and help them to find a job. <clears throat> but then maybe you could pick up the phone and make a phone call or two to some people you know that could possibly help them. I mean, they, they know of a job they can offer. If you know of someone who's going through a health crisis, of course you want to pray for them, that God would heal them and take care of their needs. But then you might also go visit them. <laughs> you might also take them some food or take them a book to read or bring them a list of things to talk about. If you know of someone whose life is spinning out of control, someone uh, who's struggling with depression or despair, of course you want to pray for that person. But there's a lot of other things you can do, too. Maybe you can offer to babysit for them, offer to mow their yard, offer to take them to dinner, or go spend some time with them. There's a whole list of things you could do for people. My point is that love is expressed through what we do. Love is an action. When Jesus says we are to love one another, he wasn't saying, you know, this is, you're supposed to feel these things toward others. He says, I want you to take these actions toward others. To paraphrase Forrest Gump's mother, love is as love does, right? Love, it requires action on our part. And finally, loving one another will often require sacrifice. In verse 16, John says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for one another. On October 20th of 2009, a suicide bomber entered into the building known as the Women's Campus of the Islamabad's International Islamic University. And the uh, suicide bomber shot the guard that was on duty, and he began to make his way to the cafeteria where there were hundreds of young girls gathered for lunch. That day, the janitor that was on duty was a young man by the name of Pervez Masi. And Pervez, it was his first week on the job. His salary was less than $60 a month. And Pervez saw the man coming, and he prevented him from getting into the doorway of the cafeteria, whereupon the suicide bomber decided to detonate his uh, bomb at that point, uh, killing Pervez and killing three others. Had he made it to the cafeteria, though, he would have killed hundreds. The damage would have been so much worse. The twist in this story is that Pervez was a Christian. And in Pakistan, Christians are in the minority, but they're also among the poorest of the poor. But that day, Pervez became a hero because he was willing to sacrifice his life for all those girls in that school. One of the professors there says, He rose above the barriers of caste, creed, and sectarian terrorism. Despite being a Christian, he sacrificed his life to save the Muslim girls. One of the students says he is now a legend to us. Oh, what a wonderful story. What a, what a wonderful man. Now, of course, most of us will never be called upon to lay down our life for, the, for another in the way that he did. But to love as Jesus calls us to love in this world is certainly going to require sacrifice. Sacrifice of our time, perhaps our money, of our attention. It might require the sacrifice of a day off to help someone else in need. Uh, maybe your vacation plans you postpone to be able to help someone else. Postpone a purchase that you want to make. It may be that you have 
sacrifice some level of comfort, all to help someone else to love one another. In the book of Philippians, Paul says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others better than yourself. Let each of you look not to your own interest, but to the interest of others. This is what it looks like to love one another. You, you look out for one another. You're willing to even put your own needs and your own wants on the back burner for the sake of doing something good for someone else. Loving one another will require sacrifice. All throughout the New Testament, we hear this command to love one another. Even in the Old Testament, you hear talking about how you're to care for the widow, care for the needy, the poor, to take care of each other. Loving one another is the quality that defines us and who we are as God's people. And we're not simply just to love by word only. Although in the world we live in today, that's really important too. But we are to love one another. It's to be more than just superficial or convenient. We are to love one another with the same kind of sacrificial love that Jesus Christ, our Lord, showed us. Love. That's Christ-like love. It's going to require sacrifice. Now, lest we think this really wasn't that important to Jesus, you have to remember what Jesus teaches about how we're all going to be judged at the end of our life. When he talked about Judgment Day, he said that on that day, God's going to separate the nations as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And here's what he says. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed them or thirsty and give them something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit with you? And the king will reply, truly, I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it for me. Jesus makes it clear that the expression of our love for one another reflects the extent of our love for God. We are to love one another with the same non-negotiable way that we strive to love God. And that love is going to be expressed not just in word, but in action, even to the point of being willing to sacrifice. This is what our lives are to be defined by. This is how we are to make a difference in this world, the crazy world we're living in. So may our lives be focused on trying to express in every way that we can, to every person that we can, the love of God. The world that we're living in, our eternal destiny, is dependent upon it. That spirit, let us pray together. Lord God, these words are true, we know. We've heard them all our lives, that we are to love you and we are to love our our neighbor as ourselves. Yet, God, we confess that sometimes we get that mixed up. Sometimes we outright fail to do it and do just the opposite. We're all guilty, God, of not loving our neighbor as you've taught us. So, God, forgive us. Correct our lives in this place today. Help us to move forward and be a change agent for this world. 
to make a difference by bringing the light of your love and how we treat each other. To call it out when we see it headed in the wrong direction. Because God, we know that is the only hope we have. So God, make us new, strengthen us, empower us with its assurance that we go forth not alone, but with your power, with your might, with all your help. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.